1993, two men wrote a book together, Jerry Canfield and a guy by the name of Mark Victor Hansen. You might know those names. They wrote a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Some of you have probably read Chicken Soup for the Soul. It's an interesting story. They wrote the stories of many different people who are just ordinary people and the wisdom and the experience that they bring to life. In 1993, when they wrote the book, they shopped it to different publishing companies, many of the big ones up in New York City, and they all said no. And they found a small shop in Florida, and wow, what a huge, huge thing that all these big publishing companies passed on, because Chicken Soup for the Soul is one of the highest ranking series of books ever. They actually published 12 different books every year on average in any given year. And it's wisdom and it's insights to life from ordinary people. And I think that part of the reason why that book and why those series of books are so popular is because humanity is looking for the answers to life. We're striving for the wisdom that someone else might bring to help us navigate this difficult life, maybe just a little bit easier. Chicken Soup for the Soul was kind of our version of this type of wisdom. Today, it comes in the forms of memes, or as one of my dad friends says, maymays. Not me, by the way. That's not me, okay? I promise you, it's just one of my friends that said that, so my kids make enough fun of me for the things that I say. I don't need anything else. But I love memes. It's so interesting because this is like not my era of like, you know, nuggets of wisdom, right? It didn't come in the form of memes, these Instagram things that you see. And in an instant with a picture or a few words or a phrase or a quote, you kind of get the whole like summary of what's going on with a meme. I love it. It's amazing. See, in my era, it was when you walked into grandma's house and she had a pillow because there was these little throw pillows that had memes on them. That was our version of memes. Am I right? That's what it was back then, right? Now you get it virtually on Instagram. Back in our era, it was corny little things like grandma would say, I'm not retired on her pillow. I'm a professional grandma. Or grandma might have on her pillow, uh, forget Santa, I'll just ask Nana. Or one of my favorites is, if it happens at Mimi's, it stays at Mimi's, which is a little creepy if you ask me. So anyway. <laughs> but the point is, is that there are these nuggets of wisdom in so many different places, and humanity is striving after this. We're hungry for wisdom. And unfortunately, we want it in little soundbite form. We want it quick, and we want it easy. We want fast food wisdom. The problem is, is that wisdom is something that really doesn't come in fast food format. It's something that takes time for us to experience, and it takes days and weeks and months and years for us to learn and figure out. And today, as we reach week five in our series through the book of Ecclesiastes called Life in the Mist, we're going to be taking a look at what I would consider 
King Solomon through the teacher, this character that he's uh, kind of introduced at the beginning of the book that's passing down this wisdom, we come to the point in time when he kind of gives us this random list of, of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And man, it is all over the place. It's a little bit like some of the maymays, some of the memes that we might see or some of the phrases we might see. Or you might get a little bit of a chicken soup for the soul today as we take a look at Ecclesiastes. Today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapters 7 through 10, actually 7, 8, and 9. And we've got a lot to cover in terms of the verses. And today it's going to be a little bit different. Today what I'm going to do is I'm going to be um, kind of covering in summary some of the wisdom that he's trying to communicate to us. Um, and then I'm going to stop and you'll, we'll focus on the screens on ones that I think are, are maybe mega themes or maybe are, are themes that kind of I believe are important for us in today's day and age. I'm really glad that you're here. I want to thank you guys so much for being a part. For those of you who are in the house this morning, man, thank you for being a part. Thank you for being here. I want to thank our online audience. Y'all, thank you guys so much for joining online. And why don't we give it up for them as we do each week for joining online. Thank you guys so much for being a part online. King Solomon comes to this um, particular group of chapters in chapters 7, 8, 9, and even 10. And so far what he's done throughout the book is he's in chapters 1 and 2 offered a little bit of his personal experience in the form of wisdom. He offers his general observations in chapters 3, 4, and 5. And then in the chapters we're going to take a look at today, he, he's offering his, his practical counsel on his experience in life. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at um, the conclusion that he draws and probably the most concrete thing from Ecclesiastes you'll see next week. Today's is different. It's different. And it's useful. It's important. It helps us understand life. But, but I'm going to be honest with you today. You might like be in this, in this you know, message today and in this series and think, man, um, something's either wrong with Todd or Solomon. I'm not sure which. Or maybe the teacher. And that's okay because he just he kind of bounces around in these chapters. And it's kind of funny because he describes life as a vapor. And he talks about the fact that under the sun, life is a vapor, or as we're calling it, a mist. And in some ways, this is the most like wisdom that he gives that is the least concrete. But it's still incredibly useful for us, and it's applicable to us. And we're going to try as best we can to make sense of it. One of the things you're going to see is Solomon kind of on this roller coaster. And if you take a closer look, if you um, dive into... ...study in these chapters, you're going to see that Solomon is on a bit of a roller coaster. He goes from being almost like you think he might be depressed about life almost has like a fatalistic outlook to life. He, he uh, kind of talks about death and how death is better than life and death is better than birth. And then in the next sentence, he's talking about something that's incredibly positive and incredibly encouraging. The publishers of Ecclesiastes today might say, hey, uh, Solomon, you've got a great idea here, but what you need to do is cut out all of this negative stuff and you need to get to the good stuff the positive stuff, 
the stuff that people are going to really be able to grasp on and use. But there's a reason that Solomon does this. And there's a reason that God inspired, or that Solomon, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, wants us to understand the ups and the downs of life, the good things and the bad things, and that we can still have wisdom even though life brings us ups and downs. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. Let's dive in. Ecclesiastes. It's interesting. In chapter 7, in the first part there, we'll get to verse 14 in a moment. We'll kind of pause there and take a look at it. But you really get this roller coaster approach that Solomon is taking through the teacher here in verses 1 through 13. He, he's talking about how uh, the day of death is, the, is better than the day of birth and how sorrow is better than laughter. Uh, but then he, he, he dives into this idea that we shouldn't be quick to become angry. And he talks about how anger is something that we should avoid and stay away from. And so he gives good advice, but it's, it's kind of in contrast to some stuff that he's talking about there that seems so fatalistic. And so in verses 1 through 3, I kind of want to summarize it this way. Essentially, he says that we as people, we as humans need to have a plan for death so that we receive God's mercy rather than his justice. And do you see there that Solomon is setting the stage for Jesus? He's setting the stage for the King of Kings. He's setting up the world and up humanity. He's setting us up to, to understand that there's a reason why God sent his son Jesus. And that we need to prepare for that day when we're no longer here. We prepare for vacations, we prepare for weddings, we prepare our house for Christmas. The Cullens did a little bit of that yesterday. I think there might be more today, if I am not mistaken. And we prepare and we prepare and we prepare. We prepare for retirement, we prepare for school, we prepare for our jobs. But the one thing that we forget to prepare for is the thing that lasts for eternity. And Solomon is trying to get us to understand that we need to plan for death so that we can receive God's mercy, which Jesus came to give. He, he tells us to determine not to be bought with money or to uh, be bought with a bribe. He talks about um, using our time and finishing what we've started, something that I struggle with greatly. And many of you who maybe have ADD like I do, you kind of can understand that. But Solomon talks about that. He talks about the ups and downs of life. And I want you to look at, I want you to see Ecclesiastes 7, 14 through 18 here. Let's stop and take a look at this. Uh, Solomon says this. He says this. In the days of prosperity, be joyful. He says, and in the days of adversity, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. God has made the one as well as the other. In prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider that God has made them all. Verse 15, in my vain life, I have seen everything. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. And then he says this in verse 16, and I love this, and I don't want you to miss this, and we're going to unpack this here in a moment. He says, do not be overly righteous. Do not make yourself too wise. 
Don't make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? And let's stop there for a moment. This is the man who wrote Solomon, King Solomon, who wrote the, the book of Proverbs, right? And, and it's a whole list of all of these great wisdom things. And he says, be careful to not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? And his inference there is that we can destroy ourselves in seeking out wisdom too much. We'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 17, don't be overly wicked. I think it's interesting how he says that. Don't be overly wicked, acknowledging that there is wickedness in the heart of every human. He says, don't be overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out of them both. Such great wisdom that Solomon at the end of his life is trying to communicate to us. But what does it mean? I think there are three kind of nuggets in those verses right there. First and foremost, what he's trying to say to us, and today, the title of today's message is Be Encouraged. Because if you really sift everything down to its main parts, to kind of these mega themes, I think you'll see a common denominator of being encouraged to seek after wisdom, but for a reason and within boundaries. First and foremost, be encouraged to accept that there are highs and lows in the rhythm of our lives. Accept that there are highs and lows in the rhythms of our lives. And some of you are saying it's 2020, there are no highs. <laughs> and I would agree with that. It doesn't seem like there are many at all. But throughout life, we are going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. I heard someone once say that not every day is a Disney day. <laughs> and if you're like me and you don't like crowds, you're like, oh, that's, that's a bad day. <laughs> but if you're my kids, or if you love Disney, man, you got to realize that not every day is going to be a Disney day. Not every day is going to be that day that is high. Not every day is going to be that mountaintop experience. And he encourages us to accept that there are highs and there are lows in the rhythm of life. And as difficult as this is, I think what he's trying to say to us, particularly in verse 15, 14 and 15, is that we as God's people should enjoy the highs of life and embrace the low points. Enjoy the high points of life. Enjoy those mountaintop experiences. Take it on, and we're going to see why in just a few moments. But enjoy those times in life where things are good. Even in the midst of 2020, even in the midst of COVID-19, enjoy the times of life when things are going well. Enjoy the win. Celebrate the win. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the people who you surround yourself with, with. But we also have to embrace the lows. We have to embrace the lows. God, in verse 14, he says, God has made the one, the day of prosperity, as well as the day of adversity. And as difficult as it is, we need to lean in to the good days and push through the difficult days. 
push through the difficult days. The second thing I think that he tells us here in this passage in 14 through 18 is to be encouraged to accept that good things will happen to bad people and bad things will happen to good people. You know, every book that's ever been written on this, every sermon that's ever been preached, every message that's ever been given, every TED talk that's ever been given about uh, uh, good and bad and why bad things happen to good people and, and, and bad things happen to good people, they're always trying to figure out the why. And that's natural, isn't it? We want to know the why. Why does God allow that? Why does the world allow it? Why are, are, are people that like do good things, why does it seem like they're punished? It seems so unfair. But Solomon is not telling us that we have to understand the why. He just tells us that we need to accept it. In verse 15, when he says, in my vain life, I've seen everything. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in evil doing. You see, it helps us calibrate this struggle between good and evil. It doesn't help us understand the why, but I'm not sure that we really are supposed to understand all of the why of life. In fact, Solomon kind of talks about that here in a few verses. So be encouraged, accept that there are highs and lows in the rhythms of life. Be encouraged to accept that good things will happen to bad people and bad things will happen to good people. And then lastly, in this group of verses, I believe what he's saying is, is that being self-righteous leads to legalism and being self-centered leads to idolatry. In verse 16, he says, do not be overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked. In verse 17, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Essentially, I think what Solomon is telling us here is, is that if we strive after self-righteousness, then we have no room for God to be righteous for us. <laughs> I mean, think about it in the New Testament. Who is Jesus' righteous anger directed towards every single time? Those who were self-righteous. Those who knew more than anyone else. Those who strove after perfection. And Jesus' righteous anger was directed at them. Solomon is saying that we need to be careful to be too self-righteous. And we also need to be careful to not be too self-centered because that leads to idolatry. Solomon goes on in the rest of chapter 7 and he gives just a great understanding of how complete wisdom is elusive. So in seeking it, that we shouldn't obsess over it. We shouldn't obsess over seeking wisdom that we're going to come to the end of it at some point in time. He also says that righteousness is unattainable. So in striving to be righteous, don't strive for perfection. You know, Solomon didn't have the luxury of understanding all that Jesus did, although I think that God gave him a glimpse of what Jesus would do. But when Jesus came, that's where we find our righteousness. It's through him. It says we are clothed in his righteousness. And that wisdom is something that we can have through him, but we won't have all of it, maybe as much as we want on this side of heaven. 
The teacher turns a corner in Ecclesiastes 8. He talks about wisdom, how uh, wisdom in, is seeing life from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. That's the godly kind of wisdom. You see, the kind of wisdom that, that man tells us, that, that man wants us to seek after, is a wisdom that's based in knowledge. It's a wisdom that's based in how much we know and how much we can consume and how much we can remember, how much we can take in. But godly wisdom is really just seeing life through God's eyes and from God's perspective he talks about in verses 2 through 4 how we should obey those in authority not because of our loyalty to them, but because of our loyalty to God. He, he goes on and talks about those who fear God will do well in life, that the punishment for wrongdoing may not happen now, but it eventually will happen. All these random nuggets of wisdom, but I want you to see Ecclesiastes 8, 16 and 17. He says this, when I applied my heart to know wisdom, and to see the busyness that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work of God that is done under the sun. He says in striving after wisdom, there's going to be an end to it. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he can't, cannot find it out. And so I think Solomon is saying here in these verses, and it's almost a summary of the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8, he's saying that we should be encouraged to seek out wisdom, but we also have to trust that God is working in ways that we cannot see. So I want you to know today that when you're seeking out wisdom to try to fix that relationship and yet it never seems to work. God is working in the background. When you're seeking out wisdom to try to understand finances and, and to try to, like, you know, to, to get to that next level or to, to shape things up, and it just seems like, man, Dave's, Dave Ramsey's awesome, but at some point in time, man, it, you know, it's just like there's parts of it that just aren't working right now for me or for my family. God is at work. God is at work. When you're trying to repair that, that job, that poor performance that you had in your work, and, and, and you're trying to kind of like overcome that, and it just doesn't seem like anything that you hear or sense or read is making any sense, God is still at work when we can't see. When you've had that devast devastation in your life, God is still at work, he's still at work. It's kind of weird for those of us who are uh, golfers. Today is the fourth round of the Masters. It's being played, I don't know, within three hours of here up in Augusta. 
an amazing, amazing, um, you know, tournament at an amazing course. And as, as a kid, as a golfer, I just love watching the Masters. It's weird to watch it during the fall, but golfers, all those golfers that are playing today, and some of you will be watching today, some of you don't care and you don't even know, and I just told you information that you never knew about. Uh, but uh, they, they learn something about golf, and that is, is that they train hard. They train hard. They hit every day hundreds and even thousands of balls training hard on the driving range. Go to the putting green, and they putt, and they putt, and they putt. And at some point in time, their coach, those they put in their close circle, when they're out on the course, will say, trust your training. You've worked hard. Trust your training. And that's true of every industry. It's true of every career. It's true of every uh, sport, everything. That at some point in time, you have to stop thinking and trust what you know. If you're watching online or you're here in the house today, there's one thing that I tell you that you can know. And that is God is in control. And he's working in ways that you and I cannot even see. Ecclesiastes, skipping down to chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. Check this out. He says this. This is kind of a summary of everything he's talked about in, in 7 and 8. He says, go, eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. He's saying, do your laundry. <laughs> Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. He's saying, uh, do your hair in the morning before you go out. Okay, that's a message to my son. All right, so uh, enjoy, life with, uh, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all of your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. And what I believe that the teacher is telling us here is that we should be encouraged to enjoy life as a gift from God. Now, I want you to hear this. If you haven't heard anything else that I've said today, if you haven't heard any of the wisdom that the teacher has given us to this point, I want you to hear this, that he has given us every day. He's given us every moment. He's given us everything to enjoy in this life under the sun, and we should enjoy life as a gift from God. But the problem is, is that we sometimes try to enjoy life for the enjoyment of life, for the pleasure that it brings. And when we enjoy life for the pleasure itself, we are missing the greatest enjoyment, and that is enjoying it because God has given it to us. We're missing out because we're enjoying the thing that he's given us and not the one who has given it to us. And when we enjoy just the pleasures of life, we end up hollow and empty. Because at some point in time, the vacation has to end. How many of you think of when you're on vacation, 
I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through. I cannot believe I'm halfway through. And the rest of your vacation, you'll not even enjoy it anymore because you're thinking about the work that you have to return to or the school project that's due when you get back or whatever it is. And you don't even enjoy the vacation because you're thinking about how much you don't have left. At some point in time, the relaxation ends. At some point in time, the food and the drink are eventually gone and you're still hungry. Your recreation turns into monotony. That's what happens when we enjoy the pleasure of life rather than enjoying life because God has given it to us. That's the better way to enjoy life, the teacher says, because God has given us the breath of life. And I want to end on this one. Ecclesiastes 9, 17 through 18, and I'm going to use the message, which is a paraphrase, because I love the way that he says it. He says this in verse 17, the quiet words of the wise are more effective than the ranting of a king of fools. And he says, wisdom is better than warheads, but one hothead can ruin the good earth. I love the way the message describes this. And I believe what Solomon is saying here is, is that we should be encouraged to seek wisdom because it is a powerful tool in navigating life. He uses the example of the loud words of a king. And he uses the example of the arsenal that a nation or a king has to destroy other nations. And in doing so, the words are vain, and the arsenal destroys the earth. And he says, wisdom is far better than any of this. So the teacher's challenge to us, my challenge to you, is in navigating the difficulties of this life. Wisdom is a much more powerful tool and so we see in chapter 7, 8, and 9 that Solomon is striving after wisdom and he comes up empty once again, just like we saw earlier that he's seeking after riches and he's seeking after fame and he has all these wives and concubines and he's seeking after all the pleasures of life and he's seeking after wisdom and even it doesn't satisfy. But wisdom is still better. Wisdom is still better. Wisdom is still more powerful. Wisdom is still more meaningful. Wisdom gives us intentionality and meaning in life, even life under the sun. I think it's so interesting that when you can take Solomon's words, when you take the teacher's words, and you bring them into contrast with Paul in the New Testament with his words, they don't seem to line up. And I can only offer one of two explanations. Either God intended for him to write this way, and he did in obedience to the Holy Spirit, writing in a way that would make us think about life, think more deeply about life than we ever had. Or perhaps he wrote it because he didn't totally understand the full meaning and intentionality of life because he didn't see it from the view of after Jesus. Even though God used him to set the stage for Jesus, 
he didn't really see the full meaning and intentionality. And I want you to hear, Christ follower, that when we align our lives with Jesus, that meaning and that intentionality begins to make sense. Some of you have probably done puzzles, those 10,000 piece puzzles with your family. Maybe over quarantine back in March and April and May. Maybe you didn't finish it. Maybe it's still on the kitchen table. Maybe you've done it on a vacation or a time when you've been together. And I remember doing this with my family. Um, our, our family doesn't, we don't do puzzles much. Um, we, we like things, I guess, outside of the house. But my, my mom and my dad used to do these on vacation, of all things. I don't know, I didn't understand, but that's okay. And I remember that towards the end, we would be cheering and so excited when those pieces came in to play and we were able to finish those massive puzzles. And even in the randomness of Solomon's words, even in the, the kind of ups and downs, that roller coaster of what it seems like Solomon is in, this kind of mode where he's just trying to figure out all of this, those pieces come into play when we understand that all of this is helping us center our lives for meaning and intentionality under Jesus. Because he's the one that brings full meaning to our lives. He's the one that makes it all make sense. And even when we don't understand, even when we are confused about what's going on in our lives personally or in the world globally, it all makes sense. It all makes sense when we understand who Jesus is and what he did. And Father, I thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. That even when Solomon's writing these random messages of wisdom, they may not make too much sense until we understand and see those nuggets of wisdom through the lens of what you were doing with your son, what you were doing with us in offering us salvation, in bringing resolution to all of the things that the world struggles with. And Father, I pray for those who may be struggling today with why in the world does someone who is so evil seem to get all the wins and someone who is so pure and righteous and good seem to suffer so much. Help us, Father, to lean in and accept that. Help us to lean into the, the bad days. Help us to enjoy the good ones. Help us always to rely on you to navigate the difficult part of life. Father, I pray right now for those who are in this room or who are watching, who are struggling in their careers to understand why they've been put where they've been put. I pray for those students who are listening, maybe in here, who don't understand why in the world their friends have been disloyal to them. Why in the world they ended up here at this school, in this class, with these friends. I pray for those who are listening in, who are suffering from deep loneliness and the lows of life 
have to do with feeling abandoned, left behind, and lonely. Father, I pray that we would seek your wisdom. I pray that we would seek you out to find that meaning and intentionality in life. And God, that we would use these random words of encouragement in life. That life under the sun isn't all vain. It's not all pessimistic. It's not all dark and doom and gloom. We can rise above the difficulty of life. Not because we can do it on our own, but we can do it with you. And we thank you that you lead us and you guide us. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. The whole totality of what you have done by redeeming mankind through your son. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, I pray.